Could the James Harden saga be over without any sort of resolution? Talk about that. Plus, Zion Williamson maturing? Really? All that, and we play real or fake with expansion cities. Are those a done deal? It's all right now on the Locked On NBA podcast. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown NBA Podcast. Right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and we're here for you every day. On Wednesdays, it's us, this dynamic duo. I'm John Corrales, host of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Find me on Twitter at John underscore Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Nola Jake. Speaking of dynamic duos, and before we get into any transaction news, you kind of had a big transaction over the weekend. Congrats, <laughs> man. Thank you, thank you. For anybody who might be watching on YouTube when I did my little finger wave, there's a little piece of jewelry there on my left uh, ring finger. Yep, got hitched, got hitched. Jake, I've been finally tamed. I've finally been locked down. No more oh, wearing dresses in the French Quarter with me. Oh, uh, uh, no, it's still probably no, going to happen. Gonna happen. That's, <laughs> that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Uh, the reality of the situation is that I finally got smart and uh, made a very, very good decision over the weekend. So very happy. Thank you very much for that. Uh, could the Philadelphia 76ers be locking down James Harden or at least entering into a marriage of convenience? That's our first segment. Second segment will be Zion, your, your, your territory. Uh, once again, Adam Silver, when he speaks over the summer is always about expansion. We'll play real or fake with our expansion cities coming up uh, a little bit later on, but James Harden, it's kind of wild, Jake. It, the market just doesn't seem to be there for James Harden. I think he, you know, he very clearly is pissed off. Uh, when isn't he pissed off at his team? But he he didn't like how the, the Sixers kind of, you know, in their quid pro quo, there was no pro quo, I guess I should say, uh, on the on the Sixers side, and he's not happy about that. But it's not like teams are lining up to sign James Harden. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a, an ego uh, hit going on right here, but it seems like according to reports that James Harden might just be going back to Philadelphia. Yeah. Look, it, it doesn't seem like there's a robust market for really any sort of disgruntled superstar. Like there has been in the past, you know, it's one thing maybe for Kevin Durant to kind of pull something like that, but Damian Lillard at like his age with the contract that he has is scaring teams off. And then James Harden. I mean, look, this is what he's on his third team in basically like a year and a half, more or less. If yeah. I were a team that was interested in trading for him, I would be terrified of something like that, of history repeating itself, where it's now happened three times in a row. Doesn't want to be on Houston anymore, goes to the Nets. Doesn't want to be on the Nets anymore, so goes to Philly. Now he doesn't want to be there. You kind of said it as a joke, right? Like, when is he not upset? When is he not, like, pissed off? And I don't know, if I were an NBA GM, trying to kind of build the future of my team or try and go in on a title. Maybe you get a one-year window with him because that's all his contract is, but he's going to be 34 this season. He's going to be 34, you know, in like two months. That kind of terrifies me because we've also seen him no-show a lot. And even the slight bit of unhappiness, he seems to kind of tank just 
everything around him, right? You know, yeah. one of the one of the talks about Damian Lillard would be he won't do what Harden did in Houston, right? Where Harden looked like he was maybe just not taking things nearly as seriously, just pouting, not staying in basketball shape and all of those things. And we're calling it like you pull a Harden here, yeah. which I don't think Dame would do, but it's a thing for a reason because he did it. So it's like, yeah, I, I would be kind of scared of that. It's just a very combustible situation. And any team that's going to move for him is probably kind of already a little bit on edge. So it would just take the slightest thing. Like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that no one's like, let's make incredible offers for 34 year old James Harden, <laughs> given all of that. When, when, when pulling a Harden is all of that negative stuff, why would anybody? line up to give this guy money at 34 years old uh a long-term deal that takes him right up to the edge of that you can't go to the, to 38 once you hit 38 there's a whole different the over 38 rule changes the the whole calculation the cap calculation so teams don't want to do deal with that either but honestly this is a a practice in kind of self-awareness where along the way has James Harden been able to look in the mirror and say, Hey, maybe I need to be a little bit better about my playoff performances. Maybe I can't keep quitting on my teams. He's never done that. He didn't like that situation in Houston. Like you said, first of all, he's never been able to lead Houston anywhere. Then he, he got pissed off. He wants a guy. Now he doesn't want a guy. Oh, well, here's here. Yes. I, I approve of this new teammate. Now I don't like this teammate anymore. Okay. That gets untenable. Boom. He's lucky that Daryl Morey is obsessed with James Harden. He's lucky that that Morey is is so obsessed with him because otherwise, I don't know who would have wanted him out of Brooklyn. But Morey wanted him and somehow got them to you know take a shot at, at Ben Simmons, which is a whole other thing. But yeah. <laughs> Harden is the the lack of self-awareness is astounding to me and i i understand that he took a, a pay cut to try to bring in pj tucker and he he sacrificed and there was going to be you know on the other side of it there should have been a hey you sacrifice for us here's your reward but also i just watched i saw i for, saw firsthand his performances against the Boston Celtics, he had two good performances and five absolutely dog crap performances. Well, I was, I was just about to say, right? Like he had two 40 point games in that series that went to seven. And then the rest of them were, where is it? 12 points, 16 points, 17 points, 13 and nine. He didn't go over 20. Yeah. Like two amazing performances, like vintage James Harden performances, but Look, his max contract is almost $202 million over four years. You know, you're going to have to give me more than two 40-point games and then nothing else in the postseason if you want to make $50 million a year. If you're asking me, hey, man, I did you a favor. You got to do me a favor. Like, yeah, I'd love to do you a favor, but you just screwed me in the playoffs. You could have, you could have gotten past Boston and maybe – they would have had a better matchup against Miami. This was their chance to get to the NBA finals. This was Embiid's chance to get to the NBA finals. And for, well, that's another other story, but for Harden to not like step up and okay. Two great performances, 
But where was that game seven? Where was that closeout? Three of 11 in game seven. Game six, when. Four of 16. Yeah. (laughs) When Jason Tatum went berserk after a horrible first three quarters, three and a half quarters. Yeah, they looked done, actually. Where was Harden to bury the Celtics? The Celtics, Tatum said it. We were cooked. We were cooked in game six. And he, he just caught fire. Where was Harden with the opportunity to put Boston away when they looked like they were ready to get knocked out? They He didn't do it. He had the opportunity. didn't do it. It's just you can't keep having those playoff performances and then get eliminated and then go to the team and be like, hey, where's all the money you promised me? Like, man, what? Where's where's the basketball you promised us? That you so can't. That, we're not going to give you this. That leads me to an interesting question to you here, right? You know, you said this could be a marriage of convenience for these two because if he leaves, Philly has no way of replacing and whatever the production he might give you is. And look, he's still a guy that averages above twenty points per game at least in the regular season here. Would it be smart for them just to give him a four-year max deal? Call it, call it. Two, let's let's make it easy. Two hundred million, four years. Should they still do that given everything you've just said, which is a hard sell on no James Harden, which is fair, given that they have no way of trying to replace him if there's no other like decent offers out there. And look, like the Clippers are the preferred destination here. It's not like you're getting a, a caliber player of James Harden in return and you need kind of that running mate, I think, for Joel Embiid because I don't think Maxi's on the level of a James Harden right now. I, don't, I, I would not give him a new contract. I'd say you come in, you play on this deal, we'll find a place to trade you. But you come in, you play hard on this deal, we'll send you somewhere at the trade deadline, and they can sign you. I'm not I'm not giving them the, now I admit what's, what's that do for Joel Embiid though, right? Like if it Embiid sees that, and this thing gets similar to Portland, I think, right? Like Dame's upset they drafted Scoot Henderson because they're planning for the future and they're doing what's in the best interest of the franchise, which is not trying to get swept in the first round and instead trying to kind of build something a little more organically. But if they trade him at the deadline, say for a young player in a pick, right? Something like that and whatever salary yeah. matches, but that's inconsequential here. Does Joel Embiid look at that and be like, all right, you got to trade me too because I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Um, I mean, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Bad situation all around. That's for sure. If you're, if you're Joel Embiid, do you look at James Harden as the guy? Because I could turn around and ask you if the, if the Sixers give Harden the four year max and they say, okay, Joel, this is who we're rolling with. Is he happy with that? Or is he not? I mean, publicly, he's saying the right things. He's trying to convince him to kind of like change his mind. He said all of that stuff. Now, that's PR for the media. I get it. You know, that's a fair point, too. You know, would they be able to find uh, would there'd be a good trade market for Joel Embiid, I think. Right. Like uh, compared to Harding, compared to even like Lillard. So he could end up in a better situation. Right. Like that. I don't know. It's tough. It's that's tough stuff to try and I think navigate. I take it into the season. I just take it into the season. I mean, you have to. And say, you have to. You you can try to trade him now. You're not going to get the right return. Um, you if you the closer you get into the trade deadline, all of a sudden that pressure ramps up because other teams are going to be desperate. The Clippers are going to be desperate. The new collective bargaining agreement is going to make everything a little bit too expensive for even Steve Ballmer. 
I think they will, unless they pivot, unless they turn around and go back to the Celtics and maybe get Malcolm Brogdon or whatever, who knows what the, what the Clippers do, but a team can look at Harden and say, if we get him at the deadline, then we'll get three months of good, good Harden. And maybe that'll carry through the playoffs or, and that, that'll be enough. Uh, at least at that point, Philly has a little, little bit of leverage. Other teams that are looking to trade for him, you say, hey, man, if you don't want him by the deadline, then you're not going to be able to sign him in free agency. Um, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm James Harden's agent, I am begging him to play well now because if he hits free agency, he's not getting anywhere near, anywhere near what he would get in an extension. You can, you can try to convince a team to say, hey, look, We'll, we'll, we'll play nice. Um, you just get to sign him to a decent extension. If he hits the open market teams, teams with cap space, aren't going to want to who, who with cap space is going to want to sign James Harden. Who yeah, you wouldn't have you, you, the teams with like cap space that conceivably really could have made a run at like a big name like that, that had the space to do, it would have been the Spurs and no, like that's not going to happen at all. Or the, Indiana Pacers, right? Like those were the two yeah. main ones I think that were like players and neither of those two teams, it makes sense. So like, no, you're right. Like also we don't see big names get, you know, traded or just signed in free agency, right? If anything, it would be like an extended trade or a signing trade, mm. but no, he can't have something like that. Cause it's just going to be, there's no money for him. The best thing he can do is play well and have offers get increased at the trade deadline. Go to your new team, sign an extension. We're going long here. So we got to wrap it up, but I'll just wrap up with this. If he's not careful, he's going to go from talking about $200 million contracts to the mid-level because no one's going to yeah. give him more than the mid-level. I, I don't think anybody's going to give him more than the mid-level next year. That's it. That's who, who that's who he's going to be because you can't rely on him. That's my, that's my final word there. He needs to mature, and he just has never, ever matured. But Zion Williamson, maybe this summer – has scared him straight. We'll talk about that in just a second. First, let's talk about BetterHelp. Uh, actually, no. First, let's talk about bird dogs. <laughs> it's it, bird dogs up first. My fault. Uh, bird dogs are uh, short, stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg. So, fellas, you can get that nice, truly sculpted look you want in your legs. Uh, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They uh, stretch. They use anti-stick sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. You can put on, and especially in this heat of the summer, you put on yourself a pair of bird dogs, you go golfing. You come out, you come back home, you jump in the pool with the same bird dogs on. You come out, you dry off because they, they dry up really quick. You can head out to uh, beers with the fellows afterwards, all with the same pair of shorts on. It's very, very cool. The technology is there, and the look is there. Go to birddogs.com slash NBA to enter promo code NBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NBA or enter the promo code NBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. This way you can take your hot drink or cold drink because it's summer. Keep it hot. Keep it cold. Keep yourself looking hot with these bird dogs. Get your legs looking nice and sculpted, uh, very fashionable. You will not want to take off your bird dogs, we promise you. Thanks for making 
Locked On NBA, your first listen every day. How about Locked On Fantasy Basketball is getting you ready for the whole uh, upcoming season. Teams have started to put their their their, uh, their rosters together, so we're getting a real good sense. Josh Lloyd is absolutely a monster on this network, and he's got he's got fantasy basketball coverage unlike anybody else. Uh, Jake, your New Orleans Pelicans. It looked for a second here that Zion Williamson was going to be one of the guys, one of the big names on the move this summer. Uh, but after all of the personal drama that we won't get into after a lot of the, you know, off the court stuff on the court stuff, still questions about his, his injuries and his health and his weight and all of that stuff. Zion went on the Gilbert arenas podcast and basically talked up his, um, his, his kind of maturity and his kind of desire to, to put a lot of this behind, behind him. Jake, I'm a big believer in silver linings. This was looking to be a horrible summer for Zion Williamson. Maybe there is a silver lining here that after everything broke, he was like, oh my God, is this rock bottom for him? Is he starting to bounce back up? Yeah, I, I actually think it might be. You know, the, the big question about him, in, in my opinion, the whole time is not his talent, right? It's not even the weight when it comes to him and, and things like that. It was just the maturity and just like, man, you got to be a professional NBA player, not a dude with insane amount of talent that just goes out in hoops, right? It takes more than that if you want to have the type of career that he wants to have and that everyone wants to see him have there's no denying the talent there but if you can't use that because you're not taking care of your body you're not handling your off-court stuff as well as you should that leads to problems and it's just going to lead to you underachieving and look the pelicans were definitely having talks around him whether he was officially in an offer or not you know, but his name came up in Scoot Henderson talks and other talks like that as well. And teams were calling about him and they were convinced that, you know, he wasn't untouchable. I don't think a move's going to happen now. But what I've been kind of hearing is that he's been a little more locked in than he has been in the past. And last year, he even started to do it. He was working out in Florida, doing two-a-days, had a personal chef, had a personal trainer, came into the season looking fantastic physically, you know, and, and lit it up until he had that injury in basically January 1. In 29 games, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 4.6 assists are really good numbers. He was voted in as an all-star starter, right? Like that might've gotten him on an all NBA team, I think. Then the injury happened and just everything falls apart when he hits a little bit of adversity. And a lot of that is due to him and his maturity and not listening to the right people and maybe listening to the wrong people. And then you hear him go on Gilbert Arena's podcast and it seems like he's figured all of that out. You know, he'd said, he's like, I, I have basically infinite money and I'm young, so I feel invincible and I can go and do whatever I want. But clearly, when you've missed as many games as he's missed, only playing in 29 games last year, I think he realized like he's not, that people do expect more from him, that the path he's on right now isn't what's going to work to have the type of success he wants to have in the NBA. So he spoke a lot about, you know, dieting properly, how he needs to focus on stretching and band work, similar to what LeBron James does, because LeBron at his age is still playing a ton of games every single year. And then the thing that I think made me most excited was he realized he's got to listen to people, people 
older than him who have some wisdom to share. And I think he needs to, he said he needs to be open to kind of getting put on the right path. And it sounds like he's doing that. You know, he just went, this was, this was recorded in Vegas. So he's out there trying to spend time around the team. There've been summer leagues where he wasn't there spending any time with the team before. So this is a good first step. He's been in new Orleans at the team facility instead of off somewhere else with his own people. I'm, Cautiously optimistic because I don't want to go like full blown, like sign me up for all of this, <laughs> given everything. But like, I'm cautiously optimistic that he this is the year that it like finally kind of just clicks for him on what it takes to be a pro NBA player. Do you think the trade rumors? We talked about this in an earlier episode. I said the trade rumors are as much a message to him to say, Hey, we're ready, we're ready to move on from you, buddy. And and to me. For a guy that thinks he's invincible, to to not go out on his own terms for a team to say, you know what, we kind of don't want you, or we might not want you. That might be, I think, some of the things that push him. We're like, wait a minute. Even even if he would have welcomed the trade, maybe even he talks about New York and you know wherever, and may, maybe he's not going to be in in New Orleans forever. No one's in any city forever anymore. But for it to happen the way it happened and for the team to be like, you know what, we're, we're through, we're through with this. Do you think that was kind of like a, a little shock to his system as well? Yeah. And look, all of that I think was probably by design from the team leaking some stuff, right? All of these things leak off, you know, not always for a reason, but a lot of time for reasons. Sometimes people just want to talk and, they, and you catch them at the right time and they say things. You know, when everything you heard with the Pelicans' interest in Scoot Henderson, right, went beyond just him being a tremendously talented basketball player. They liked his attitude. They liked his approach to the game. They liked how he took care of his body. They liked his leadership, right? Man, they're saying all of these glowing things about a rookie. You think Zion wasn't seeing that and being like, wait, they think that of this 18-year-old coming into the league and I've been here and I've been your best player. I've been an all-star starter twice. Y'all don't say that about me. Yeah. Well, because you didn't have those qualities, right? Like there, that stuff I'm sure is out there to send a message, right? Like it just, there's no way of getting around it. You heard during the season two and the players will deny this and they're like, oh, we weren't taking shots at anyone. There was, there was no subtweeting in the media or anything like that. If you saw, go look at CJ McCollum's end of season, like media availability right after the play in tournament loss to the OKC Thunder. And he looked like a broken man. And some of the stuff he was saying was very clearly oh, shots yeah. at like Zion. Not shots, right? It's just, I think he was frustrated and like didn't really mean it to come off that way because he's smarter than that. But when you just lose a game, you don't make the playoffs and you're just clearly like broken, like hurting. You're going to say some stuff just in the moment because you're emotional. And he did. And like, it's a reflection on Zion. There's no getting around that. He'll deny it, but go watch that press conference again. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, he's very clearly talking about him. I think all of that stuff got through to him finally. And I think one of the big things is, you know, he, he's going to be a dad now. You know, that's where yeah. all of the, a lot of this drama started from the off court stuff in the first place. Right, right? right. That look, I don't have kids, so I'm the wrong person to exactly ask about this, but that is a moment that can definitely mature you because now you're responsible for someone else and you've got to, right? We've seen it. I, I saw that firsthand with Lonzo Ball. You know, the second he had a child, he seemed to kind of step out from his father's like umbrella of things and kind of become his own man. And his career actually took off until the injuries. I'm hopeful we'll see something similar to Zion with that too. I don't think that's something that 
you know, you can really talk about a lot, but I'm hopeful that that will have that kind of same kind of impact. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only hope for the best because he is such a uniquely talented player. He, he really, I, I think a fresh start was necessary somehow to kind of get a fresh start where you are would be, would be kind of amazing. And so, like I said before, I do believe in silver linings. So if all of this was built towards getting him to wake up and this is, this actually is him waking up. I mean, it could be PR. He could, he could just have a really good PR team. He could be out there just blowing smoke. And then, you know, a year from now, we're talking about same old Zion, same old whatever. But if he's, if he's willing to put in the work mainly to take care of his body, right. To keep the weight to a, a normal for him kind of place, which is heavier than most people, but for him manageable to keep that flexibility, to stay injury free or relatively injury free, that's going to be huge. That, that changes the entire calculus for the Western conference, because now the Pelicans can be a real, real threat. And that reshapes everything at the top, the top half of the West. And the West is going to already going to go back to being strong. It's going to be. Yeah. yeah it's like an arms race out there. <laughs> yeah. If Zion is back and, and playing 65, 70 games that, I mean, that would be an amazing thing. So let's hope for the best there. Uh, the West, you know, what could weaken the West Jake sticking two new teams out there and kind of, you know, draining, draining some of the talent. We'll talk about expansion. We'll play our real or fake game with expansion. When we come back. First, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I am a big proponent of therapy. It has helped me significantly over the course of my life. But I also know how difficult it is to get started, how difficult it is to find a therapist, uh, especially if you live, you know, it's one thing if you live in New York City. Uh, it's another thing if you live in the suburbs. It's, you, might, you might only feel like you have one or two options. And if that, that option doesn't work for you, where do you go? Well, you go to BetterHelp. Because... That's all done online. You do it through phone, via text. You do it through video chat. You take a quick questionnaire. You tell them about yourself, what you're trying to do. Is it something, a long kind of standing thing? Is it just trying to talk through some stuff? They will match you with a licensed therapist. And you can get started however you want, how, however frequently you want. And if you don't click with that person, they just send you to a new therapist that you can, until you find somebody you're comfortable with, no charge, doesn't, you don't have to pay extra for finding new people. It's going to help you tremendously. Again, whether you've got something that you've been dealing with for a while, or you just are stressed out and you want to talk something through. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Entirely online, convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash NBA today. You get started with 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. You want to hear more about Zion? Go to Jake, Locked On Pelicans. You want to hear about more about uh, James Harden? Locked On Sixers. Want to know about Jalen Brown? I'm going to be talking about Jalen Brown. Unlocked on Celtics still hasn't signed his extension. Uh, all of that's happening. Uh, but, uh, the commissioner, Adam Silver 
taught was talking to the Associated Press Sports Editors Convention, and as usual, mentioned uh, expansion. Not going to get done until after the new TV deals are done. So nothing in the offing, nothing's. But once the new TV deals are done, Jake, we're looking at potential expansion. Everybody believes it's going to be L.A. and Seattle. I mean, LA? sorry, Las Vegas and Seattle. Third, third team out there. <laughs> third team. It's going to be Las Vegas and Seattle. Vegas and Seattle. So let's play real or fake. If everybody believes that those are the cities, real or fake, Jake, one of those two cities is going to screw this up. I think it's fake. I think this is like already, we can call this one right now. Vegas is Vegas. They got the Raiders in there. They host summer league. They do other events to get in a major league baseball team. We've seen them do well with the WNBA with hockey too. Like it they're works. They're getting the mid-season tournament. They, they, it, the, so they're getting NBA point. games this upcoming season. Yeah. Like, Look, you'll 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 build something bigger than the Thomas and Mack Center, and that's also then you know either gets demolished or gets used for summer league too. But like, yes, this is going to happen. And look, they have a Formula One race going there too. Like, it's just it, everyone wants to go party and do fun stuff in Vegas, and yeah. everyone loves summer league and everyone loves about it. And now that sports gambling is legal in most of these places and kind of working with the teams in in the league, like this is a lock. There's no way Vegas screws this up. There's too much money. It would make too much sense for them to haggle over land or an arena or anything like that. And someone is going to pay $6 billion for the rights to this, right? Yeah. They'll build their own arena if they need to. There's going to be so much money involved in all of this. So Vegas is a lock. So, Seattle? Seattle? Seattle's owed. They're owed. It, look, nope. You can say uh, Okay. I'm going to say, okay. I'm also going to say it's fake, but fake-ish because- Nope. I'm like, mm, Seattle, Seattle might screw this up. And I say screw this up. Like it's it. the reason why Seattle lost their team in the first place uh, is partly because the league in the city couldn't get the, the funding, the public funding passed, which, Hey, sign me up for, for that feeling because uh, I'm, I'm anti-public funding for these private stadiums that that can't happen. And I still, this is why I still think like it, it could be real. Is Seattle going to approve something like that? How is Seattle going to get the deal done? I know it's been a long, long time. Can they get the, the arena financing? Can you get the arena done in Seattle to, to bring in an NBA team? So can they use what they have is my question, right? They've got this climate pledge arena for, I think, hockey there, and it can hold 18,300 people is what I'm, what I'm reading here. Like, that seems to work. That's the perfect size from this. And if that's good enough for right now, and they're coming up on expansion, and look, the league wants teams to have state-of-the-art modern arenas. I think Seattle, with the way they lost their team, a beloved franchise – that kind of was like the stain on David Stern's legacy here that mm -hmm. they they're going to just try and do this. Seattle just points to the Oklahoma city thunder and goes, there's our bid, give us a team and they should probably get one. I don't think anything other than that matters because they'll get it figured out that it's just they're, they're due, they're owed. And it's kind of, to me, as simple as that. Like, this is something you've got to try and make right. And look, Stern hated that that team left, right? That's why he also fought so hard to keep the Pelicans 
or the then Hornets in New Orleans, including the league taking over the team because the owner yeah. basically went broke, right? One, thank you for that. So it's like, if um, I think they're going to do everything they can to make it right, that even if like the bid isn't that strong and say Louisville or Kansas City or even Mexico City, right, comes in with a real strong bid or Tampa, I guess, too. Like, mm -hmm. I think they're going to just be like, no, we have to do this first. Mexico City would be the one. I think Mexico think so? City is probably the place they would want to expand to outside of the other two teams. I don't think Kansas City, although that would be an interesting scenario. Um, I don't know what cities, Tampa, I don't know. Do you want to go with another Florida team? You've already got a couple there. I don't think they want to, they, they need to do that. Um, I, I agree. Look, I, I love the idea of Vegas. I love Vegas. I think it would work. Uh, I love the idea. I love the, the idea of getting the Sonics back. And that would be uh, an amazing thing for the league, especially for old people like me who remember the Sonics and love the Sonics. It would be so and cool. It was, you know, and some of my favorite memories are Sonics memories because I loved those teams. Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp to me is one of maybe the best in-game dunker ever so like i, I Shrem, love sir we oh, can throw some man. other names out here oh, so many sam perkins you know with the you know the original big man shooting threes like there's so much fun watching those sonics teams play um so yes for nostalgia's sake and and look that they it'd be nice to have another team up there so you can do like your portland seattle kind of road trip yeah um let, so okay quickly they go out west. What two teams do you move east? So I'd like the Pelicans actually to go to the east. I think that makes sense when you look at them geographically. Certainly, you know, it could be almost them in Memphis potentially or something along those lines. Like you're looking kind of at the Mississippi River, right? In like cities kind of situated right. close to that, I would imagine. Um I selfishly say that to get on all of those sweet East Coast time zone games that are so much like an hour earlier than <laughs> I get. Um, and that would be fewer West Coast 9 p.m. tip-offs would make my life so much better. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think New Orleans makes sense for that. But I, I don't know. I have to think about that one a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at – so New Orleans and Memphis are basically on the same longitude yes. line. So they, you know, if you go straight up, that still puts Minneapolis to the west. So they would probably stay there. Uh, I think New Orleans in the east uh, makes sense. I think Memphis in the east makes sense. Uh, I can see, I can see them keeping one of those teams in the west and mm -hmm. moving the, the, the Timberwolves over. But that would that would really kind of make the the league very very much east and west it, only only minneapolis would be on the eastern half of the country while still being in the western conference so i i i like the idea i you know and hey that gives me more chances to go to new orleans if the Celt if the Celtics are playing uh an three or four uh, times then there you go yeah, everyone should go. want that y'all get to come down here i look i don't know if i could survive as just just in general working in a league where I have more games in new Orleans and a road trip in Vegas, plus a potential road trip for the mid season tournament in Vegas. So multiple trips to Vegas, multiple trips to new Orleans during the course of the season. And I'm supposed to survive that. 
Uh, I don't know how that's going to happen. Life is really hard being a beat writer, apparently. <laughs> Let me live, man. Let me live. All right. Uh, fun show today. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening, for watching. As usual on Wednesdays, we are your regular hosts. I'm John Corrales, host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Find me on Twitter for as long as that exists at John underscore Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison on Twitter for now at Nola Jake and the host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. Uh, tomorrow, I think it's Nick and Pat the Designer. It's usually them too, but Nick was on yesterday from Summer League, so I don't know what we got coming up for tomorrow's show, but it'll be a show, and two people will be talking about the NBA, so make sure you're subscribed there. Watch the show uh, on YouTube, and hop into the comment section. Let us know what you think about everything. Which teams, which cities do you want to see get a team? Which teams should move east? Tell us all about that. Tell us what you think about the whole show. and. Share the podcast. Tell your friends and family and everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown NBA podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.